You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. So it was, it was 1991. I was, a, I was a five-year-old laying in my bed in my room in Chapel, Nebraska, out in the panhandle. Um, and, and as I was at that moment, I remember asking Jesus into my heart. And, and, and I talked to my parents, and I've been, you know, been working with my pastor and, 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 and just kind of trying to understand some things. And, and because of all the things that I'd been told, I was hoping that it, at that moment then that I would be made into such a new person that I wouldn't even have to tell my parents the next morning that I had done that, that like God would make me so new that they would just know. Well, then it was 1997, and I was in my bed in my room again, but I was in Hastings because we had moved. And at that moment, I had wondered, well, did I do it wrong the first time? Because I'm not this brand new creation that I thought it would be. I still do dumb things that I thought I wasn't going to do anymore. And so I remember asking Jesus into my heart again, hoping now that I would be made such a new creation Maybe I was too young that first time, but, but may, that I'd be made such a new person that I wouldn't even have to tell my parents the next day. I would just be so different. Well, then it was 2002, and I was standing outside my church in the big lawn area with lots of people gathered and a big pool in front of me. And it was then that I was baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and I'd hope now... Now, I hadn't been baptized. Maybe that was the missing piece. And so now I had hoped that I wouldn't do the dumb things that I keep on doing. And then it was 2008, and I was at Christ Lutheran in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I was standing uh, up at the altar, and I was looking into the eyes of a beautiful young lady who was dressed in white. And and as I stood in front of the altar, and as I uh, pledged myself to my beautiful bride... And, and as we did it in front of God and these witnesses, I thought, okay, because of who we are and because we got all these people surrounding us, marriage is going to be easy, right? I had hoped that everything would just go super easy, super smooth. We'd never have any fights about anything, and it was just going to be perfect. And then it was 2014, and I was at Christ Lutheran again, but I was in room 211, and I, was, I had a white dress on with, with a red stole over me, and there were a bunch of other men around me who were also wearing their albs and red stoles, men that were really important to me, mentors, pastors who had cared for me along the way, and they were placing their hands on me and, and blessing me and, and sending, out, sending me out into the office of holy ministry as I was ordained. And I thought, man, look at all these guys and look at all these people who are supporting me. I sure hope that everything in my ministry will go really easily, will go really smoothly. Everything that I say will just, will just hit ears who are listening and, and they will go out and be new people and, and God's going to use me in such special ways and it's all going to be really easy. And then it was 2017 and I was right here kneeling with a bunch of other men who were surrounding me, some who had been in my ordination, others who hadn't. Again, putting my hand on me and blessing me to to be installed into this ministry here at this place. 
And I knew now this time, right, because now I was closer to family, so all of that hard stuff with being far away from extended family, that was all gone. We, we were, I knew some of you, I'd gotten to meet some of you, I could tell that this was a really godly place and everything was going to go well, and so I'd, I had hoped then, and also, like, now I'm the, the top dog. Not like, not like you, Don, but, uh, like, I was... I was the guy. I got to make all the decisions, and so now maybe that was what was missing. Uh, and so now I had hoped that everything would go really easily and really smoothly, and life would be good and easy. And now it's 2023, and I stand here before you, and I hope. Right, but what is it that we're hoping for? And what is it that you are hoping for? Maybe as you think back to when you were brought into the family of God, maybe it was before you can remember through the waters of baptism, or maybe there was a moment in time where God, God's Spirit spoke to you so clearly that all of a sudden everything made sense, right? And the Spirit came into you and you were made a new person, and, and, and so maybe you remember that time, or maybe it was just this gradual thing that God was working on you, or bringing you to understand what He had done for you in the waters of baptism. But in those moments, in those pivotal moments in your life, what is it that you are hoping for? And what is it that you are hoping for? Well, as we look forward, I also want to look backwards to A.D. 30. Right? It, was, it was 30. Probably should have been 33, but the monk who did all the dating, Jesus was born probably around 3 BC, so I blame him. But no, uh, right, it was probably around 30 AD, where two disciples are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They're making the seven-mile journey, and as they're doing that, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, and their eyes, though, were kept from recognizing him. But Jesus said to them, what is this conversation that you're having? What are you talking about as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And there was then one of them named Cleopas who answered them, who answered Jesus and said, are you the only one who has no idea what's going on? Right? Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in these days? And this is where I know Jesus has a sense of humor, right? Because Jesus goes, what things? What, what are you talking about? And they said to him, well, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and then how our chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped Right, these dis two disciples, as they're walking from Jerusalem back home to Emmaus, they're, they're saying, we had hoped that this Jesus would be the one to redeem Israel. And wh what they mean by that is we had hoped that He would be the one that would, that would overthrow the Roman government and make our lives easy. We had hoped that He would get rid of all of those oppressors and, and make us the ones in charge and so that our ways would be good and that everyone would, would bow to us. We had hoped that He would be the one to redeem Israel. And so as I, I look back at all of those different uh, times in my lives, right, I had hoped for certain things. And what is it that you had hoped for? Right? Again, in those pivotal moments in your life, what were you hoping 
that Jesus would do? What are you hoping that Jesus will do? Again, the disciples said that we had hoped that He would be the one to redeem Israel, that He would be the one, again, to redeem Israel. And what I love about this phrase, what I love about the the words that these disciples speak is they got it right. He was the one to redeem Israel. He is the one to redeem Israel. But even while they got it right, they got it wrong. Because what they were hoping for was not what Jesus was doing. What their definition of redeeming Israel was was not Jesus' definition of redeeming Israel. And so as I look back at those pivotal moments on my life, I go, oh, I, I got it right. And I got it wrong. And so I, I wonder if you're like that as well. If, if, we, if we have hopes that we kind of get right, but also kind of get wrong. And so as I look back at those moments, there were kind of three main categories that all of my hopes fit into. First, I hoped that Jesus would make me new right? As I was a five-year-old, as I was a 10-year-old, I was hoping that I wouldn't even have to tell anybody that I had asked Jesus into my heart because He would make me so new that everyone would just know, right? I also hoped that I wouldn't sin. I wouldn't do the dumb things that I keep on doing, and I would hope that relationships would be perfect or easy or, or, or just they, they just would be good. And as I look at that, I got it right, for someday in the future, right? When Jesus returns to make all things new, that hope that we have in our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this is what He's going to do. For all those who have faith in Him, He is going to make into a new creation. Like you will be given a new and perfect body that will never suffer or, or be in pain or have sadness and will never die again. There will be a day when Jesus will make all of those who have faith in Him completely new creations. And not only will we never suffer or have sorrow or death again, but we will, in that new creation, we will no longer sin. We will be perfect. We will, we will see God's will, we will know God's will, and we will do God's will. And in that new creation, all of the relationships will be perfect, right? Well, like Adam and Eve, we'll even walk with God in the cool of the evening, maybe, but that's what it'll probably look like. We don't, we don't know exactly what the new creation will look like, but if we look backwards to the last time the creation was perfect, that's what Adam and Eve did, is they got to walk in perfect relationship with God, and they had perfect relationship with each other, and so we know in, in the new creation, we, we will have restored relationships, perfectly restored relationships with God and others. So that's what, I got it right, right, as, as we look into the future, but, but what about today? Right? We had hoped that He was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened, and moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us, and they were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they, when they didn't find the body… They came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that, that Jesus was alive. And so some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the, woman, the women had said, but, but they didn't find Jesus. And then Jesus, again, as He's walking with these disciples on the road to Emmaus, He says to them, oh, foolish ones. 
and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter into, etern- into His glory? And so then beginning with Moses and the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. And so then they're getting to the village, they're getting to Emmaus, uh, and, and Jesus acted as if He were going further, but they urged Him strongly saying, stay with us. For it's toward evening, and the day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened. And they recognized him, and then he vanished from their sight. Right? He, he took bread, he, he, he blessed it, he broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were open. Right? In that moment, the disciples... The, the two men walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, in that moment they recognized Jesus. They saw the true Jesus, who He truly is. And that's what we get to see today. Right? In the, in the breaking of the bread, in, the, in, in the, the, the shedding of the blood, we get to see the true Jesus who has given His life for you and for me. Because Jesus' life had a purpose, right? Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory, right? As I looked at all those pivotal moments in my life, yes, I, I kind of got it right because I, 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 I got what it, it's going to look like in the future, but I wanted it now. I wanted perfection now. I wanted easy now. I wanted, I wanted smooth now. But it wasn't easy for Jesus. It wasn't smooth for Jesus. Jesus came to suffer for you. And even when Jesus speaks to us, even when He talks to us, He tells us that, that this life that you're hoping for that's going to be all sunshine and cupcakes, it's not going to be that. John 16, Jesus says, I have said these things that, that, uh, to you that in me you might have peace, right? It's going to be okay. You can have peace. Oh, by the way, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have troubles. You will have struggles. Life won't be easy, but take heart. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. It's going to be tough here at times. But Jesus says, I've got you. I have overcome the world. And so as I look back at my hopes in those pivotal moments in my life, it's really, I got it right and not quite. Because Jesus makes you new. Right? As the, as the Spirit works in you through the waters of baptism, through the hearing of His Word, He makes you a new creation today. You, you are made new. And also you're looking forward to a day when He will make you a completely new creation, right? And as as Jesus works that faith in your life, as the Spirit gives you that faith, you are perfect in the eyes of the Father, right? When, When the Father looks at you, He sees perfection. He sees Jesus. You are clothed in the robes of Christ's righteousness. So, so when the Father looks at you, the, the theological word for it is that you are justified. It is just as if you've never sinned. 
but yet you know we keep sinning. Right? And so you are justified now, but there is a time in the future where you will never sin again and you will be perfect, not only in God's eyes, but you will be perfect for all eternity. And as God brings us into his family, he, he reconciles relationships, right? Jesus is that bridge that rebuilds our relationship with God. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you to rebuild that bridge, to reconcile you to God, to make you, uh, to, to, to restore that relationship. And then as Jesus restores our relationship with the Father, He also shows us how to restore our, our relationships with each other, right? Just as, the, just as Jesus forgives us, He calls us then to go and forgive our neighbors, to forgive our our family members, to forgive even our enemies. And so we can have reconciled relationships here on this earth because Jesus has already reconciled you to the Father as He works faith in you. But also we look forward to that day when all of the relationships will be reconciled, where, where we will have a perfect relationship with God and where we will have a perfect relationship with all of those around us. Your hope is in Jesus. Your hope is in Jesus today, and your hope for the future is in Jesus, but not a Jesus that makes everything just hunky-dory, not a Jesus that makes life all sunshine and cupcakes, but a Jesus who suffered for you, a Jesus who was crucified for you, a Jesus who rose again for you and in doing so destroyed death and defeated the devil, and a Jesus who is glorified today, a Jesus who is coming again soon, someday, to raise all of those who have faith in Him up to new life, where we will be made a completely new creation, where we will no longer sin, and where all of the relationships will be restored. Your hope is for today, and as the hymnist writes, Jesus also gives you a bright hope for tomorrow. He does remind us that in this world you will have troubles, but take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. He is your hope for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. Amen? Amen.